This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And this is an episode of a different kind, even for the Side Project series of the podcast. I'm joined by Larry Hall. Larry is the chairman of the Jim Irsay Collection, one of the most amazing private collections of musical and historical artifacts in the country, if not the world. Jim Irsay is the owner of the NFL's Indianapolis Colts, but his love of music, history, pop culture, and in many instances, their convergence set off a spark that resulted in an unbelievable collection of artifacts. The Jim Irsay Collection spans over 2,000 pieces, and Larry is in charge of it all. He reveals how the collection started with the original 200-foot-long scroll of Jack Kerouac's On the Road and has grown exponentially over the years to include some unbelievable items. There's Prince's yellow cloud guitar, Jerry Garcia's tiger, John Lennon's antique piano used on Sgt. Pepper's, Kurt Cobain's Fender Mustang, and a grand piano played by Elton John, John Lennon during his last live performance, Freddie Mercury, and Paul McCartney at Live Aid. Then there's the guitar that saved acoustic guitar making in America, and Dylan's guitar from the Newport Folk Festival. Larry also discusses some historical pieces, like a hat that was to be presented to JFK on the day he was assassinated. There's a knife owned by Abraham Lincoln and an original copy of the Declaration of Independence. The collection tours the country, visiting a new city every few months, and Larry talks about the logistics and safety measures taken when everything hits the road. This truly was a unique conversation and one that I'm so glad I can share. If you get the opportunity, go see the Jim Irsay Collection. You can check out the website, jimirsaycollection.com, to see where it's heading, as well as the social media links, which are getting a complete overhaul as we speak. You can follow us at Performance Annex on Twitter and Instagram. You can help us support our collection of great conversations by buying us a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or by picking up our non-historical merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now get ready to be blown away by Larry Hall of the Jim Irsay Collection on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Thank you. I appreciate it. Very, very kind of you. Way to go, Mark. My name is Larry Hall, and I oversee the Jim Irsay Collection, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. I know we're, 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 we have a hard cutoff time, so I want to get right into things. Um, what is the Jim Irsay Collection, and, and how did you get involved? I mean, was music something that's been a lifelong passion of yours, or was it just awesome, super incredible happenstance that you got involved in this? Well, thanks for asking. And, and, uh, and to me, it's an interesting story. Maybe not to everyone, but um, <laughs> I've been now with uh, the Colts and the Ursay family for 39 football seasons. Wow. And Jim Ursay and I are just 11 months apart in age. He was born June 13, 1959. I'm May 13, 1960. So 11 months to the day apart. Wow. So our, our chronology of time, you know, like Man on the Moon, I was nine, he was 10. You know, they, you know music, our likes, those things kind of dovetail. And over the course of time, working for the team in the Ursay family. Most of my tenure was with ticketing, guest services. I did some fan conduct work. I'm really a lucky boy. I fell in love with football at five. And I love music from the beginning uh, that I can remember, right? And so after many, many years of doing those other functions for the Colts football team, you know, Jim Ursay said, hey, look, uh, Mr. Ursay said, hey, look, we, you know, I could really use some help here overseeing the collection it's become really a lot and I want to make sure it's done well and right. And, and, you know, he thought I was a man for the job and five years later, I'm still doing it. So hopefully he still thinks so. Wow. I like, I like to think he does, yeah. um, but it's been, it's been really just a labor of love. I think if you ask him, he would say that the first big item that, you know, really kind of kicked it all off 
was the Jack Kerouac on the road scroll. Oh, you know, really? that's been over, over 20 years ago. Sure. But as a young kid, he did collect some things and, you know, I've had a few guitars certainly before what it's become now. And what's become now is really this very, very eclectic group of really iconic artifacts that speak to rock and roll, American history, pop culture. Many of them, in my opinion, transcend artifacts. There's mm-hmm. the physical piece, but then the piece really speaks to a, a much higher power. Even I'm going to go there, right? Yeah. The, the the first thing that I was connected to is his proxy at auction that we purchased. I was I remember being very vividly in, in the auction house in Los Angeles and on the phone with Mr. Ursay, and um, it was to acquire the original handwritten notes to the AA Big Book. So oh, yeah. the foundational piece for the 12 step program. Right. Right. And that's a very, very significant piece saved millions of lives. Right. That particular thing transcends artifacts. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. There's a number of other things in the American history realm and certainly pop culture like the handwritten script to Rocky, straight away from Sylvester Stallone to the auction house to the Jim Mercer collection. Wow. So that's something that we obviously take very seriously is the provenance, you know, to make sure it's accurate and it is what, you know, we believe it to be. But I think really the music part is really the, the most fun. Certainly all due respect and significance to letters from uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, you know, there's a there's a William Stone copy of the Declaration of Independence. Wow. And I could talk to that a little bit. You know, the founding fathers realized that the original version was fading. And so they did. Hey, we've got to get a copy of this thing. Right. So they commissioned a guy named William Stone. It took him three years to engrave an exact replica, three years to engrave an exact replica backwards on a copper plate. Press that onto vellum, right? It's this animal skin. Right. They made 200 copies, gave one to all the members of Congress. Today, we believe there's 48 known to exist, only 11 in private hands, and one of the 11 is in the Jim Mercer collection. So wow. those things are hugely significant. Obviously, you talk a little bit about the A big book, the Kerouac scroll. That's a big deal, right? Really a foundational piece for the B generation. Right. But I think the rock, the rock and roll part is, is generally the most fun, right? That's where... You know, certainly has passion for all of it, and so do I. 
But with the rock and roll, you know, it can be uh, any number of things in terms of guitars. We're going to bring 31 guitars to San Francisco, and I think that's going to be an awesome event. Okay, so if if you if you don't have a ticket, it's a free ticket. You need a ticket. I'm going to put a little plug in here, jimmersaycollection.com. Get a free ticket. Come see us. Uh, it's going to be a great exhibit and a live per- musical performance with, you know, all the members of Jim Mersey All-Star Band plus Ann Wilson, Buddy Guy, and John Fogarty. A couple of Rock and Roll Hall of Famers in there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but, but I'd say... Really, the guitars tend to be the rock stars a lot of times. I mean, recently, Kurt Cobain smells like teen spirit, which really changed the way people looked at not just rock and roll, but how they dressed, how they acted. Oh, yeah. Uh, certain, some of these things are, are a little bit age specific and you can find hot spots. And, and, and let's face it, great music's great music. doesn't matter your age, right? Right, right. The Beatles still resonate, you know, with my kids and, yeah. and, and certainly uh, a number of people around the world. Uh, and certainly Kurt Cobain had a big effect on how people chose to dress and act and the music they listen to. Uh, there's a number of things that I could talk about that. But in the end, I really like the guitars are tremendous. Like I said, there's there's just so many. Tiger from Jerry Garcia, obviously connected to San Francisco. That's a big deal. We're going to have a whole vignette with um, the Budman amp. Oh, that was wow. A wall, <laughs> the wall of sound and a cool purple metal case that they truck some stuff around in. It's it's really a beautiful piece, regardless of who played it. That guitar, Tiger, took six years to make. Doug Irwin was the luthier that made it. Right. And it's just a spectacular, it's a work of art. Yeah. It really, really is. The Black Stratocaster from Pink Floyd, David Gilmore. Yes. is a fantastic and yeah. that is an amazing piece. And and to hear Kenny Wayne Shepherd play it, it sound you know, you can hear David Gilmore in it, but it's yeah, it's I mean it still sounds like Kenny Wayne. It's really amazing to hear these historical pieces being played by different artists. Yeah, it's wonderful. And not all of them are, are quite as fit, if you will. So we're very, very guarded. We we take it very, very seriously, great custodial care mm-hmm. of all the artifacts. But that particular piece. You know, it's 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 in beautiful shape. It's still just as when David played it, and now Kenny, of course, puts his own flair on it. Right. And I know the performance at Lucasville Stadium still gives me chills. Yeah. Um, we had a great setup with the show. We had the fog going and the lights, and then of course Kenny just shredded it. It was oh, absolutely yeah. amazing. So, how many guitars are in the collection? Would you say We're over two hundred now? Oh. And 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 to be fair, you know, uh, some of those are vintage guitars. You know, very very high end pristine that look like they're right out of the box type of thing. But here again, we have the provenance and serial numbers to trace them back to make sure they're purely legit. And what they say they are, of course, we've got some that are, that are autographed that were part of say charity auctions from Mr. Ursay contributed to. And, and some of those have accumulated over the years. The most valuable, of course, are those that were famously owned, famously played. Right. And really when it comes to the, to the artifacts, the ones that I love the most are ones where the, it's the artifact itself, the artist, and then the moment in time. Okay, so for example, Bob Dylan playing at Newport News, That's right? That's the one I was thinking. So you got Dylan, this iconic guy, this Pulitzer Prize winner, right? With that particular Strat, and then the Newport concert. I don't believe you. So those three things coming together really are just kind of a mind blow for someone like myself that just loves this stuff so much. And and really, it's a big part of what we do. Mr. Ursay collects it, not to put it behind walls so people can't see it, literally at his own expense, taking it out to the country. Yeah. I mean, the San Francisco stop's going to be terrific, 
but it's the eighth one we've done in just a little over a year. We started last year in Nashville, went to DC, Austin, LA, New York, Chicago, finally got to come here to Indy when the, when the timing worked out with the venue. And now we're going to San Francisco to the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. Uh, now, so how often does the collection go out on the road? It's uh, usually about once every 30 to 60 days. And it depends wow, okay. on a number of different things. I mean, keep in mind, Mr. Say is the owner of the Colts, and that is a number one. Yeah. That's his first and foremost focus, right? Right. He loves this collection, loves the inspiration that the artifacts and the artists and the music give to other people, wants to share it and, and hope that they will do great things and enjoy it as much as he has. My take on it is, and I've got to know him pretty well over, you know, going on four decades now. Right. I know he gets joy by giving other people joy, by making other people happy. And I think we all can recognize that, right? Whether it be a friend or family member, you make someone else happy, makes you happy. And I think that's really, you know, that's my way of saying why he does it. That's awesome. I did read something where, like like you mentioned, he does, and, and depending on the guitar, let the guitars out to be used, which is just mind blowing to me. Yeah, like like the Dylan guitar you mentioned, it that's been yeah, used. We've gotten a little bit more cautious to be candid about that because, you know, you never want to change the integrity of the piece. Right. You want it to be seen and, and heard if it's playable. And certainly anything that we can do to help preserve it, we're going to do. Since I've been involved, um, we've really tried to upgrade everything we do. I've got some display cases that we've purchased from a place out of Ger- Germany, out of Frankfurt, Germany, Glasbau Hahn. They make uh, display cases for the Met, the Louvre, the Smithsonian's. Ooh. There is a 10 to 12 day air exchange rate for these museum cases. That's where Tiger is when he's not on tour. That's where the Black Strat is. That's where Prince's guitar is. One of my other favorites is the acoustic that Eric Clapton played on MTV Unplugged, a luthier named Kerry Keene, Kerry out of New York City. He said, Larry, that guitar saved acoustic guitar making in America. And I said, say that again. And he repeated it. Wow. I said, what you mean? He goes, look, Acoustic guitar making had started to really drop off in America and the sales had really dropped off. Everybody was electric, right? Right. He said when Clapton took that that acoustic guitar and went on MTV Unplugged, he says their sales skyrocketed. He wow. said, in my opinion, it saved acoustic guitar making America. So that here again, you've got a famous artist, right? Clapton is God, right? They yeah. spray painted on the subway, right? Right. Right. Clapton. You've got this famous acoustic guitar, and then that moment in time, right? That moment in time. MTV Unplugged. So that's one of my favorites too. And, and really it's like having kids, like you, you love them all, right? right. And it, if you love them all, you like some a little more than the other. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is we're having a great time doing it. You know, Mr. Ursa loves to share this stuff here again in the inspiration that they, that they bring. So how do you choose what goes out on tour? I mean, with over 200 guitars, you, you can't take them all with you. How do you pick what goes out? It's a great question. It really started a little over a year ago in Nashville. And he said, hey, look, I want to take some stuff down to Nashville the night before Colts are playing the Titans. And it was a little bit of a scramble, I mind telling you. And, and <laughs> since that time, we've updated the process a lot. But we didn't take as many things then as we do now. Okay. There was one guitar wall that I had made that we were started, you know, maybe working on a documentary to display 10 of them. So we only had 10 in Nashville, whereas this coming weekend in San Francisco, there'll be 31. Oh, wow. And typically the ones that make the trip are primarily those that were famously owned, famously played. We do have a few vintage in there okay. that are just pristine and really cool to look at. Candidly, it, it becomes tougher all the time. We have a guitar specialist on staff who he's lived guitars his whole life, has a recording studio here in town. Oh, Mark cool. Johnson, he'll be there. 
he'll get to talk to people that come up to see the guitars and he'll talk all day about them just like I will yeah. and, and share the joy. Right. I mean, it's, it's, we, we really love talking about those. If I could segue a little bit over to the pianos though, they don't get quite as much love. I wanted to ask about pianos, this. And they're not as easy to move as a guitar. Right. I don't mind telling you more. <laughs> We get piano specialty movers. We've got a whole checklist of things and ways that need to be done. One is John Lennon's piano that was in his two, two different homes that he owned at Tittenhurst Park in Kenwood. Mm-hmm. He composed most of the songs from Sgt. Pepper's on this piano. God. It's over 150 years old. It predates wow. electricity. Oh it, my think God. about that. It predates electricity. So, so there were you can see where the candelabras used to sit. They were broken off even when he had it. But John Broadwood and Son is the name of the company that made these pianos. And they used to make pianos for Mozart and the then King of England, not this one. Right. Right? So they're out of business now. But um, wow. it's a beautiful piece, very special. That one needs a lot of kid glove care. Here again, custodial care. And then the other one is probably one of my favorite items in the entire collection. Sir Elton John's piano that he used about 20 years on stage, almost 1,100 appearances, including the famous Dodger Stadium shows when he had all oh. the sequins on, right? Yeah. But this piano, Mark, was actually on stage the last time John Lennon was alive in front of a live audience with Elton John and the piano. It was lent to Freddie Mercury for a year. Queen had it on tour for a year, right? It was, it was taken from lacquer black to lacquer white and used at Live Aid by Paul McCartney. And 1.9 billion people saw him play Let It Be on this piano. So it's it's sort of like the Forrest Gump of piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all these places that were just significant moments. What did I talk about? Moments, moments. in time, right? Yep. And so that's really, when I get asked a lot of times, that's one of my favorite pieces because of all the things that it's represented, all the lives it's touched, all the inspiration yeah. it's given. Oh, to for other sure. People. Yeah, and yeah. That, that might be the most famous piano in the world. You know, I certainly think so. There, there are some I know that have probably appraised a little higher you know, like uh, Lennon's white one that he had, you know, imagine, right, that, right. that piano. But in the end, this particular piano, you know, obviously it's got the serial number on it. We didn't buy, we weren't the first buyers from Elton. We got it at auction, but uh, Elton signed it. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, Elton John. And wow. that's really cool. It's gold harp on the inside. It's a beautiful piece and, uh-huh. and one of the best pieces of memorabilia, I think, ever. And you've also got things, like you got one of Ringo Starr's drum kits. Oh yeah. Well, that's here again. Yeah. If I say to you, Beatles drum head Sullivan show enough said, right? That's, I mean, what more iconic thing that, that transcends in my opinion, music history into American history. Yeah. Right. It's that significant a time. Ask Kenny Aronoff, the drummer, right. That played with Mellencamp for years and plays with Fogarty now. And he's played with the stones, a bunch of other people about getting called in from his mother when he's outside playing to come see that, that show and what the effect it had on his life. And, there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of people that could remember the Beatles performance on the Sullivan show. Yeah. We have that drum head. And then separate from that, a totally different acquisition was an entire kit that Ringo used over 200 times on stage or in studio. Oh, wow. So really two, yeah. Two different, two different things here again. Those are very, very iconic pieces. That's amazing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. 
And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was jailbait. Wait, jailbird. The design I chose was jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. So when this isn't out touring, is it at Lucas Oil Stadium or where, where is this stuff usually displayed? Well, it depends on what it is. We have uh, loan agreements with different people. Uh, going back to one of the first things I said about the uh, AA Big Book, mm-hmm. Mr. Ursay's talked about his own challenges and he and his daughter, Kaylin, all his daughters have started, his Ursay family have started a thing called Kicking the Stigma okay. to help bring mental health awareness and care. And one of the things, the many things I love about, about Jim Ursay he doesn't just use his resources for good. He does that for sure. But then he puts himself out there, talks about his own challenges, right? He really was substantially the person who helped get built this recovery center in the northeast side of Indianapolis in a town called Noblesville. That's where the AA Big Book is when it's not out on tour. Oh. So that's a place where people can see it all the time, get that inspiration from it. Here again, we were involved with the design of the building, made sure there was a separate room with all the proper fire suppression, security protocols. Here again, a high-end museum quality case from Glasbow Han with tamper-proof locks, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. It's there. You know, some of it does reside here at our complex in his office. We like to get it out on loan when we can. Things have been to the Met, the Louvre. Uh, the Scrolls actually toured pretty regularly internationally. We're hopeful to go overseas, not 2023, but in 2024 to take the Jim Mercer collection abroad. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. That would be wonderful. And most of this stuff, I'm assuming that it came through auctions, or is it through private sales, a little bit of both? How does that how do you find these pieces? A great question, right? It's any number of ways. If you see something you think fits us, you text me, call me. I'll look at you got, it. Right? I got a little piano <laughs> over here. It's a Hey, okay. <laughs> the promenade. Yeah, my grandmother played most, it. It's a great question. Um, The majority of it comes from auction, but we do acquire things privately. It just depends on the artifact. We actually acquired a hat. This is in the the American history section, a hat that was going to be given to John F. Kennedy the night he happened to be assassinated earlier that day, but it came straight from the Conley family. So Governor Conley was in the front seat of the car when President Kennedy was hit. John Conley was hit as well. But we were able to acquire that hat straight away from the family. So we know it has great provenance very sad moment in our time, you know, in, in our country's history. But that was that was something that was acquired privately from the family. Sticking with the JFK theme, at auction, we're able to acquire a rocking chair that was actually used in the White House. And to be clear, wow. it was designed by a man named Lawrence Arada. He made 12 of them. Three of them were actually used. We believe ours is the only one with the original fabric on it. It's a wooden rocking chair. Wow. And for those that may not know, President Kennedy served in World War II, had a bad back. And so he spent a fair amount of time in this rocking chair thinking through things that he needed to make decisions on. So it's really cool to have those pieces. We've got Harry S. Truman's uh, Hattie War Inauguration Day. Uh, There's a pocket knife that was given to Abraham Lincoln. It's got two blades on it, and one has liberty and equality. The man who who was gifting it to him from the Philadelphia Sanitary Commission was named A.B. Justice. And it came in this box about this big, and the box, actually the wooden box, was fashioned out of wood that was taken from the wood that used to hold up the Liberty Bell. Jeez. So a really cool piece. And just like, it, it's, it blows my mind when I talk about it, even to think about 
how cool it is. Um, you know, and then there's a, a wide range of letters that, that um, could be anything from something is not as significant, but Abraham Lincoln recommend two young ladies for a job at the U.S. Postal Service. And then we have a letter that's literally a presidential stay of execution. Wow. So pretty serious stuff, right? But that's what we try to do is have some breadth and depth right with what we do recently you know we required miles davis trumpet which is very cool wow oh that's john coltrane saxophone so we kind of put those things next to each other we've got james brown red sequin cape love james brown right Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff like that that you know really speaks to entertainment right i mean that's really james brown i mean obviously he he didn't play guitar he was an entertainer but everybody knows him for that cape and we were able to also acquire some shoes that had his initials on the outside of course he was a dancer so when we can partner things together that make sense we try to do that but most of the time we want to keep the focus on the main artifact that's in the display case and certainly try to embellish that with some help from our friends at EES that help us do the um, the design of, of, the, of the actual layout so i imagine the provenance is the hardest part to verify that you know the hardest thing to to come across i uh, come across i don't know if that's the right term the right phrase but the the hardest part of the whole puzzle maybe has there been something that you guys had really had your heart set on and found out it wasn't legitimate yes there's been times where we've come close and i keep digging and digging and digging and all of a sudden i throw up red flags and he says back out wow you know yeah there's been there's been some a uh, couple different guitars the best situation to add, that's a great question by the way to answer would be hey look if it comes straight from david gilmore to christie's auction house and the, and the money's going to client earth yeah to us that's beautiful right this huge box that you it's the foundational piece for everything we do you got to have provenance right right so when it comes straight from the artist like that that's an example of one sylvester stallone that handwritten script straight from him to julian's auction house to us as the winning bidders. The Cobain guitar came straight from the Cobain family. I can think of a number of things like that. And when that happens, uh, then I can breathe easier and not get heartburn, right? So <laughs> it's something that we always we always want to remember, you know, that that's, that's a key. But there have been times for sure where, hey, this is, this is coming on a private basis. If we can't get validation or verification, we'll politely say, no, thank you. We're not interested. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned a couple things. It's, it's not just instruments. I mean, there's other pieces of memorabilia. There's automobiles. There's like, you, you mentioned James Brown's cape. You've got Muhammad Ali's robe with his first fight as Muhammad Ali. John Lennon's sunglasses. I mean, I, I guess the only way, is there anything that you guys will say now you, we don't want that or, or are you guys open to pretty much anything that has a good cultural historical connection? I think we're pretty open, but to, to frame it better, it, the rock and roll American history, pop culture, those things are pretty much our vibe. Mm-hmm. Certainly people say we have sports. Yeah, but it's not just sports. Like we have Jackie Robinson's bat from 1953 wow. and a card that matches that year to kind of accentuate it. 1953 happens to be the year the Colts started and Jackie Robinson was obviously very big on social justice. Yep. Like Muhammad Ali was right. And so we typically, the more significant it can be beyond itself, the more we like it. Right. Okay. I mean, the thing that like that, a big what it represents is a foundational piece for recovery, but the ripple effect from it is tremendous, right? right. The ripple effect of the Beatles performance on the Sullivan show it still resonates today. Yeah. Another quick one for you. Uh, we have Neil Shion's Don't Stop Believing guitar, Journey, right? Wow. 
So, so that's a cool, it's a cool piece. It's what a famous song that thing's been downloaded at one time. It was one of the more downloaded songs ever. I know some have certainly gone past that, but then I, the other day I thought just for perspective, think about this. I don't know if you're a fan of the show Sopranos, right? right that yeah. series. When Sopranos comes to a complete end, spoiler alert, I'm going to say the song, that song's playing, right? Right. Don't Stop Believing's playing, right? And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. We, the Jim Mercy Collection, Jim Mercy, have that guitar in the collection. And then I, I didn't get to see Breaking Bad when it was on commercial television, but then my wife and I kind of binge watched it for a few months. Did the same thing. And it seems like it's going, it's a really cool show. And it comes down to the very, very end. And I'll test you on this one. Do you know what song's playing at the end? The very last scene, Walter White, he's flat on his back, and it's going to be the end of the whole series, and there's a song playing. I can't remember. And the song is Baby Blue. Baby Blue by Badfinger. Well, that guitar, the back of my head went, right? Because that guitar belonged to George Harrison. He used it on Paperback Writer and other songs, great songs. Hey, Bulldog. He gifted it to Pete Ham, a Badfinger. Pete Ham used it to play baby blue. So I'm thinking to myself, here this collection is with, with some artifacts that the oldest thing in the, in the, in the whole collection is from 1765. It's Whoa. Faneuil Hall in Boston burned down, right? Mm-hmm. And they created a lottery to rebuild it, to earn, to have some money to rebuild it. We have a John Hancock signed lottery ticket from 1765. Oh my So that's God. in the collection, right? That they did rebuild it. Faneuil Hall's still there. Yeah. But back to these two series that came to an end, Don't Stop Believing, Journey, Neil Shion, right? And that's for Sopranos. And then Breaking Bad, probably our guitar specialist, Mark Johnson, his favorite guitar in the collection is that Gibson SG. Oh, wow. Because well, he just loves it. And the fact that it belonged to Harrison and it belonged to Pete Ham from Badfinger. But that song playing at the end of those two series tells me that this cultural significance of even the music artifacts, much less the American history piece, pop culture, the things that are in the collection, they're just they're just wonderful. And um, here again, Mr. Ursay, Jim Ursay, he collects it to share it, right? Yeah. Because he's inspired by it, gets joy from sharing it with others, and that's why he does it. The one question that came to, to my head when I was kind of going through some of these pieces that you have is, do you go out and look for certain pieces or are you just on the hunt and you, you see auctions and you see things that are interesting? Are, are there pieces that you actually sought out? Yeah, it's a, that's a great good question. I would say this, there are things that Mr. Ursay, he loves a lot of different things, obviously, but the Beatles in particular, Dylan certainly loves Lincoln, Washington. Certainly those type of things will get extra attention from me. I spend a fair amount of time. Uh, I just hired a, a guy to work with us, uh, Jake Chef, who was the registrar at the Indiana State Museum for four years. He also worked at the Smithsonian for a couple of years. Oh, wow. He was in Sacramento for a couple of years. He's got a master's in museum studies. He knows things I don't know, right? Wow. You're smart enough. You get other smart people around. Yeah. So Jake will also look with me. There are a number of auction houses that know us, obviously, because we've been customers and they will make sure that we're alerted that there's something that they think fits our vibe. Mm-hmm. But we try to look at the small auction houses as well as the big ones. We found a Susan B. Anthony rare late photo of her just a few months, taken a few months before her death that we're able to get at a small auction house in upstate New York. Oh, wow. And it was the largest item in their auction that particular time, about $30,000, which is a fair amount of money, but compared to, you know, 4.8 million for Cobain's guitar, not quite the same. Right. <laughs> but the point is, well, it's very culturally significant. And that small auction house was owned by a family. That family homeschooled their kids and they were going on a trip somewhere out West. They didn't want to ship the picture to us, the, the famous picture, the original photo yeah. that was taken. 
they drove it here. They drove it here themselves and gave it to me. Wow. So it's a cool story, right? That's a great find. And that was with help of one of our appraisers. We've got a couple different appraisers that we use. I've got a network of folks that I lean into. Mr. Jim Canary from Indiana University Lilly Library. He's a paper preservationist. He looks oh. after the Jack Kerouac scroll. He goes to Tibet a lot and hangs out with the monks and can tell some crazy stories. <laughs> um, he's a great guy. He's got a long white beard and looks like right out of Central Casting. Oh, that's right? he'll awesome. Be, yeah, he'll be he'll be in California and he'll be hanging out by the scroll. If anybody wants to come by and talk to him about it, he'll talk to you. But if we get people like that that are specialists. One of our appraisers told me, she said, Larry, you get a, a master's class every day. And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, every day you talk to someone who's done one thing their entire lives really well. And then you learn from them. And I said, well, that's very flattering. Thank wow. you very much. I appreciate it. I try. I do. And, you know, I think I'm a quick learner um, here again. I love Jim Mersey, care deeply about him. And th this transition from my Colts football life to doing this full time has been a wonderful thing for me. They're long hours and yet it's a labor of love. I absolutely love it. It sounds like it would be not a job at all. It would just be, you know, <laughs> however many hours of work you week on it of fun. It just sounds. So what's coming up in the near future for the collection? Where is it traveling? Uh, I know Mr. Ursay will occasionally will play some, do some performances. What's in the near future for you guys? So after this weekend in San Francisco, we we're looking at a few different cities don't want to completely let the cat out of the bag, but you know, places like Las Vegas, New Orleans, I've actually had conversations with folks in Seattle at the Mopop. I've had conversations with people at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Um, I think I mentioned in 2024, not this coming year, but in 2024, we talked about going to Europe, uh, most likely London and Paris. The third city is kind of still a TBD, but I think we want to continue to build upon what we've got right now. And we just hired a new social media person. So we're going to try to elevate that. I just acquired some new uh, software. That's the same software they use at the museums I referenced earlier, like mm -hmm. Smithsonian and the Met and the Louvre. So we're continuing to elevate everything we do with the collection. Uh, here again, custodial care. If I had to pick words, those are the two that really resonate, right? You want to make sure people can see it, but we got to do our jobs and make sure that it's here for future generations. So you mentioned social media. Where can people see what's in the collection? How can they follow where it's touring and what's going on? Maybe some new acquisitions, whatever you guys post on social media. Right. We're going to boost that here in the next few weeks, right? We just had a new person start, as I mentioned. The JimMerseyCollection.com is really, really mostly contended, uh, intended as a landing page mm -hmm. with a lot of photos. But we want to really grow what we do and, and build on, on a real robust website. There's a thing called eMuseum. eMuseum is what is used in conjunction with the collections management system that we're acquiring to track things. And that will give us an opportunity to really expand what we do. Some of the content pieces I've already got, 3D scans of the guitars that you can wow. go to Sketchfab. Sketchfab is sort of the conduit to get to it. Okay. But if you go to Sketchfab, we have, um, I, I know there's at least a dozen guitars on there. And there. Tiger's one of them. Black Strat, Clapton, and you can zoom in and out and just see every nuance. Then when I wanted to have mounts, what are called mounts that hold the guitars in those high-end cases, rather than send a $3 million guitar to New York to the mount makers at the Met, we take those 3D scans and had a 3D print made. So yeah. a 3D made exact replica within a thousandth of a millimeter oh, is what wow. they tell me. An exact replica of say Prince's guitar or whatever it may be those get shipped off and they can use those to make these mounts 
that are exactly form fitted like a horseshoe shape underneath. Mm -hmm. And because you want it to almost like float in air in these high end cases. So there's technology that's being used to uh, help facilitate showing them on these 3D models. Um, We also had a chance to do Lennon's piano, the 150 plus year piano that's on. And we intend to do more as time permits. But um, really, we're just getting started. We're just scratching the surface. Candidly, uh, the, the social media piece hasn't ramped up as fast as I'd like. And now with, with our new hire, we're hopeful that you know by the first of the year, we can really get that rolling okay. and really have a chance. We just created a new high-end storage facility that we can keep some of the artifacts in, have some really high-end workspace with the proper heating, ventilation, air conditioning control, security, all those things. Oh, that's awesome. So, so those links are on the, the website to get to the social media pages? Right. And then from there, like I said, circle back because it's going to, it's going to really grow here, hopefully by the first of the year. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. I know we're running real short on time, so I I don't want to get cut off. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me. My pleasure. And I really do appreciate everything you told me. This is, this sounds amazing. Next time you guys come to DC, unfortunately I missed it last time. I got to come and see it next time. Yeah. Or come to Indy. We'll probably do another one at Lucas Oil Stadium to start the football season next year. That's not a definite. Don't right. quote me. <laughs> but I like the chances. Mr. Say loved that. We had over 20,000 people there. And, of course, because it's our hometown, we had some Colts artifacts as well as 100-plus yeah. from the Jim Irsay collection. But you're always welcome wherever we go. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it is my pleasure. 